0: No, we're not now. All right, we entered the 2023 24 offseason. The Diamondbacks coming up just short of a World Series title. And today, we're going to talk about the top prospects to pay attention to entering the offseason, who to pay attention to next coming season. So, we're going to bring out, James and I are going to talk about our respective top 10 lists. Originally, we we're going to have Spencer and Wes on here, but unfortunately, both guys have had some things pop up at the last second, so we're gonna, just going to start. So we'll begin with uh, my top 10 list here. So obviously, the big three, well, big four, say Lawler, Jones, Troy, and Saccone. Followed by Yuma and Linnet 5 Ansel at Six, Gino Groover, seven, Lake Wilson, eight, Christian Robinson, nine, and Jack Hurley at 10. So just some early thoughts on that list and maybe perhaps where you and I disagree on that.
1: I don't think we disagree a whole lot uh, other than maybe towards the end of the list. We've decided to, we both decided to shake things up and we wound up with slightly different, uh, Back four, I guess you would say. Um, I have Ciccone slightly ahead of Tommy Troy right now, but that has everything to do with the fact that Ciccone has already cut his teeth at the major league level and so far so good in terms of what we're getting out, what we got out of him in his brief stint in the majors. Um, I think without that Troy it would have still edged him out. But so far I'm like what I'm seeing. He seems to be making that transition from Reno to the Bigs well. So that's why he gets one up over Troy for me. Uh for me, the big one, the big asterisk one is Drew Jones at number two. He holds on to that spot. By pure talent profile alone, if he does not hit the ground running, I could see him falling to five or six on my top ten pretty quickly. Uh, He's got to have to, he has to stay healthy and he has to show that he's going, he's going to be able to adapt and start making up that lost time.
0: Yeah, and the main thing obviously with Jones is the injury wiped out about two third injuries wiped out about two thirds of his season.
1: Again. <laughs> yep.
0: And we're gonna I do remember he finished a year pretty strong in Visalia. I'm gonna pull up his game log game log and pull up a quick number. Let's see what his final let's see. Final Okay, nineteen games and Vizalea end up hitting 296 with a 412 on breaks percentage and a 437 slugging percentage, but this is 19 games, 85 plate appearances. However, it's definitely a good, would you say that would be an encouraging sign to see at the end of the season?
1: Uh, if he puts up those kind of numbers for the whole season, I'll be happy. Uh, I'm, this is a guy who is expected to hit for power and average and you know, the defense i'm not worried about his glove he's still going to continue to be a defensive threat it's just a matter of whether or not he'll play center field or they want to put that arm in right field so he can show off his own parazuka
0: i was going to say by the time jones is ready to call up either the team has exhausted their patience with alec thomas's bat or uh, for some other reason, I think the position will be opened up anyway, so I'm not even worried about a position change at this point.
1: We know he probably is their the best center field option. We know he's playing the outfield. He's going to get plenty of looks from center field because he's a natural center fielder, but his arm might move him to right, and I'm okay with that too. But no, if he moves the right field, he's going to
0: he's going to have a death grip on the Gold Glove Award <laughs> if he makes it to the major leagues.
1: Like father, like son. Yeah.
0: And is actually his opening day catch. Actually, I think one minor league was voted min- best player of the year in the minor leagues. One where he went back like uh, 200 feet and made an over-the-shoulder catch.
1: He clearly has the tools, which, like I said, that's why I left him at number two. But he has to start using them, and he has to start using them over a long term. That means stay healthy and no prolonged slumps at this point. He needs to start making up time. He needs to start separating himself from the 40 and 45 tier prospects and looking more like an all-star.
0: Yeah. I was going to say he's got to finish 2024 in Hillsborough and probably i and this is obviously going to fangrass and WRC plus. There's limits to that stat with the minor leagues. Sure, but I think he's going to have to put up Jordan. Law- I think putting up similar numbers to Jordan Lawler in Hillsborough and Visalia next year will be what'll need to be the team's number one prospect entering the tw- uh, entering the 2025 season. Now he might just get there by default, but. You're not gonna feel and comfortable I if it's by default versus it more
1: than anything else because lawler's gonna graduate off the list and Siccone will probably graduate off the list early on too that leaves Jones's only real competition being uh Tommy Troy now Tommy Troy he has the uh he has the potential to, to push his way up in a hurry with his ability to to consistently make contact and his there's no such thing as a fastball that man can't hit. And that's yeah, especially the, that's going to play in today's and, era where
0: guys are throwing more high fastballs. Now, of course, I think the key I, is for him to be able to adjust yes, to breaking he's balls. Have
1: to learn to lay off a big league breaking stuff but the but the long and the short of it is if you can turn around anybody's fastball you're going to have some success because they're going to you're going to get yourself into fastball counts once in a while or you're going to have somebody trying to get one by you to get a quick strike so if he can just become moderately average against breaking balls he's going to find a lot of success rapidly
0: also, the fact that it looks like it's more increasingly likely he could stick at shortstop. You don't necessarily worry about the bat as much. Although the bat plays, you're not necessarily worried what position he plays.
1: I think he could stick at shortstop just fine. I think the team needs could eventually push him over to third base because Jordan Lawler just doesn't have the arm to play third. And Perdomo isn't a third baseman and Rivera. They don't, apparently, they don't like Rivera third a whole lot. I mean, they gave him opportunities this year, but he's clearly not part of their future plans there. Look at Rivera. uh, I think that Mm -hmm. means they either go out and grab one, and there aren't really any to be had right now, unless they want to blow up the payroll for Chapman and pay for a whole bunch of years, bad years, on the back end of that contract. Or maybe Tommy Troy, who played all of last year at third base. At least in college he did. If he moves over to third, I'm not concerned. If he sticks at short, I think he's actually a better defensive shortstop than Lawler will be. But yeah, and by Lawler, the time Lawler's Lawler has the skills to be a good defensive shortstop, though.
0: And in, in the situation where they bring up Troy, there's the possibility theres a lot of roster dynamics come in play that could still keep him at shortstop.
1: Oh, absolutely, in my including Lawler could wind up over at second by then,
0: <laughs> or even center field for that matter.
1: Nah, I don't see that happening. Out of it, out of all the middle infielders that might go to the outfield, he seems the most likely. But I think that they probably learned their lesson with Katal Marte and unless they decide to just convert Lawler entirely right now,
0: yeah. If you're putting Lawler in the outfield, that's a permanent thing.
1: And I don't think that they're ready to go there yet. So
0: Lawler's going to have at least half a year to prove that he's the. He's the team's shortstop, although, like I said, the current roster dynamics kind of makes it hard for him to stick at shortstop because he really can't move Perdomo off the position if you're going to play him every day or close to it.
1: Well, we saw last year that Perdomo wears out. So we'll see. Either Perdomo is going to show up and is going to have better endurance or... They're going to need to start playing him only three out of five games. If they're only playing yeah, and Lawler's three not, out of five, if they're and only Lawler's playing not three the guy out you of play five, then there's probably enough at bats for Lawler between that and DH or second or something like
0: that. Well, they could also one way to free up at bats for all of them is you could turn Perdomo into a utility guy that starts at different positions
1: which is something I thought they might do when they traded Josh Rojas. But then an hour later, they went out and traded for the Josh Rojas replacement. Who I, just, I don't get that one. <laughs> Jace Peterson was never going to be the answer. I don't know why they got him to begin with. I
0: don't know. I have a running joke, but I won't say it because I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to try and piss off a world, uh, and pennant winning manager.
1: This is, this is true.
0: <laughs> All right. So looking further down, uh, looking further down the list, who do you think could, uh, jump into the top five? If you look at six through 10 on either of our respective lists. And I'll pull yours up right now.
1: Um, I think the easiest one. Bryce Jarvis, it's all going to come down to his health when he comes back next year. If he stays healthy and effective, whether he's in the bullpen or he starts, either way, uh, I think he's an easy one to say. he's He stays top five. Again, a lot of that having to do with the amount of success he had after his promotion, even if it wasn't the success we all wanted him to have, he didn't fall flat on his face. Uh, No, he he looked like,
0: he didn't look overwhelmed.
1: No, he looked like he belonged. And then Lynn, it's all about if he repeats even three quarters of what he did in 2023, he's going to push his way up that list in a hurry between graduations and just yeah, you know, Waller will graduate off, Sacconi will graduate off, Jarvis will probably graduate off. That'll leave Lynn as number two or three, depending on where we wind up with Jones and Troy at that point.
0: <laughs> if you look at Lynn's numbers, it's like a in Amarillo had a four two eight ERA and eleven starts, and it's almost split in half between Amarillo and Hillsborough last year. Like 13 starts in Hillsborough and then an eleven in Amarillo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The strikeouts, the strikeouts were still there, 64 strikeouts and 61 innings. And it was about roughly one in four. 25% rate. And obviously you go to Amarillo, that strikeout rate's gonna cut by five percent just based on the environment alone.
1: Right. But then he was also only nineteen while in Amarillo, which puts him way ahead of the aging curve. Yeah.
0: yeah. He got the Amarillo right around his 20th birthday.
1: But I, I fully expect him to open up the year in Amarillo, but if he picks up where he left off, I don't think it'll take long for him to get the early season bump Torino. If nothing else, get that all-star break bump Torino. And yeah, I was going to
0: say, if he's, throwing, if he's continually throwing strikes and obviously the walk, Pitchers is going to be a little bit more careful in that level. His walk rate went up a little bit. And sometimes uh, commanding nets so can't be measured by uh, walks necessarily. Because right. sometimes you can throw the pitch you want to in that situation and the batter's just going to take until he sees a strike. There's some At that level, you're going to have batters that are going to try and walk their way to success.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Lynn are going to be working on that, his innings limit and just building up yeah, and just keep doing what he's doing. And then
0: I mean, you went from, well, we don't know the number of innings that he threw in extended spring training last year, but obviously, if we just count the innings that are thrown in affiliate ball, he went from 56 to 121. Right. Last year. So you got to watch that.
1: And I would. I would think that they'd try to keep them at 140 or one no more than 150 especially after such a big jump.
0: Yeah, cuz uh I think that's standard protocol. First full year it's 120, second one then you try and build it to 150. So that way you can do 1 and then that way when you hit the big leagues you're able to do 180. 160 to 180. That's kind of the standard operating procedure in my opinion. Let me check five.
1: He's young enough that even if he takes all of next year and never sees the majors even by September, or whatever, he's still gonna be probably four and a half, five years behind the aging curve in Reno. <laughs> so he'll be he should be fine. For him, it's just a matter of continuing to throw strikes and stay healthy.
0: So they kind of look at the three left-handers, the young left-handers. We're going to include Henry on this list, even though he's no longer a prospect or even a rookie. You got three guys that throw right around ninety miles an hour, with solid change-up in breaking ball. It's like, you know, kind of how, how do you kind of sort through that? Sort through that situation. Figure out who's who's in, who's goes to the bullpen, who who's best served to trade.
1: Well. Walston is going to have the biggest say in that, and that's all going to come down to how he performs opening up the season again in Reno next year, because this is kind of the make or break here for Walston in terms of what he's going to do. Either he's going to take that next step and finally break his way into the MLB rotation either as a, an injury fill in or because they need an extra starter or whatever, or they're going to have to pull the plug and finally start giving him bullpen innings.
0: Because they're going to have to add them to the 40 man roster next month. Well, this month, in a couple weeks, they're going to have to add to the 40 man roster.
1: About the, I'm not too worried about the 40 man roster. And we obviously have a few players we definitely didn't need, need to protect. But there's room enough for them on there on the roster already. Um, you yeah. know, there. The, I think the most likely guys that would never get picked up, and they'll probably be protected, might be uh, Del Castillo, maybe, but probably not. They're, enough teams have third tier catchers that he probably is safe. We need to protect Blaze Alexander.
0: Alexander's already in the forty-man roster.
1: Yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, So is Fletcher. So uh, maybe somebody takes a flyer on Robinson, but I doubt it.
0: The teams already had a chance to take a flyer on Robinson.
1: Yeah, for forty-man roster spot, and they passed. He didn't get picked up, so we'll see. And then also is
0: Bros is on the 40-man roster, but I think he could be a roster cut, possibly.
1: Because you can be, only carry so he,
0: many love-first outfielders he, on your 40-man roster.
1: If they really, really need to make room, he could be a cut, but I just don't see them needing the room. So.
0: <laughs> I mean, their 40-man roster is already down to what, 38 now. Because lo- three players are hitting free agency.
1: He has so got Van and Longoria hitting
0: free agency, and then they just claimed Rodriguez off waivers. And so it's thirty-eight. You
1: and Lynn will go on, but you know, onto the forty-nine because you definitely protect him. <laughs> He's
0: not. El- I don't think Lynn's eligible for Rule Five. He was signed in twenty-one.
1: Oh, I remember long, correctly, one, so one, he one, wouldn't
0: I, even be eligible until twenty I, after twenty-five.
1: Yeah, for some reason I thought he came in a year earlier than that. Okay, so yeah. They really don't have anybody that I'm worried about them losing.
0: What about Dale Santos?
1: Mm, I don't no, know if anybody's gonna take him because he's still it's easier to take a pitcher from double A and hide them at the back of your bullpen than it is to take a bat from double A and then hide them on your bench, especially if they don't have any other tools and De Los Santos has no other tools. <laughs> um yeah. Melinda's the same thing. I mean,
0: well, Melendez isn't even going to be eligible for rule five draft by the time he's right. by the time he's yeah. even plus eligible. He's already had big league experience.
1: Right. And, but he's, he falls into that same category of he's somebody if available might have been pulled, but it would still be a, a stretch because of where he is in his development. You know, the Diamondbacks either have pay, players that are already protected or players that are too far away to really have them be risked in the Rule 5.
0: I mean, basically, the one pitcher that I think could be taken in the Rule 5 draft is Connor Grams out of the Diamondbacks Double A team, but it's not necessarily a. A big arm, even though he has velocity and a big breaking ball, just hasn't. Put, he just hasn't put it together yet. Yeah, but once he really does, he's going to the big league bullpen.
1: And if somebody wants to take a flyer on him and it works out, kudos to them. I mean, he's despite his big stuff, he's still not in my top thirty. No, and not mine either. So, so he wouldn't I mean, even be
0: in my top five relievers.
1: Oh, Although to be fair,
0: not, half they drafted half of them this year. the three guys that took out of Dallas Baptist look pretty good.
1: Yep. So, yeah, I'm not worried about the the rule five draft at all. I'm not even really worried about the 40 man roster. There's still dead weight on there that could be excised one way or the other, just a matter of whether or not the team wants to, fight certain bullets
0: you foresee any of these guys getting traded in the offseason obviously I think the D-backs big move is going to come via trade not necessarily free agency
1: um I think if he had had a better AFL Yvonne Melendez might have been a trade target Um, outside of that I think uh, Walston Jarvis, really? That's probably the end of it. I mean, if somebody wants to take a flyer on Blaze Alexander, but he's not really a top. Ten. I mean, he made my top ten, but only just barely. I could have easily bumped him down below uh, Groover, maybe even Robinson or Ray. <laughs> uh, so, I think. If they can find a good trade for Walston, Walston might get traded yeah
0: because I us uh, say you already have tommy henry who's got five seasons of control and is more or less the same pitcher.
1: exactly and lynn right behind him uh somebody might overpay a little bit for slade Saccone, and as much as i wouldn't want to part with Sacconi if somebody offers a good deal i could see that getting jumped on especially if it answers a a team need where Ciccone is part of getting an actual top of the rotation pitcher, or a third baseman or third or a third baseman with control. You know, we're looking at three, four or five years of control. I could see them possibly moving Ciccone in that.
0: I would not, I don't think they're going to get anyone with more than two years of control for Ciccone. A third base, especially with not someone that can, up,
1: no, but I don't, th- I don't think that any trade involving Sconee is going to be a one for one, regardless.
0: And obviously, uh, Chapman's not. Unless the Diamondbacks want to overpay for Chapman, that's not happening.
1: And which leaves hmm. them with no real options for third base.
0: And I'm a little bit concerned about a trade with Tampa Bay. They wanted to trade Paredes. That's I a...
1: wouldn't really want Pareda. I think I'd rather they just went after Curtis Mead at that point. Hmm. And he's number three on their depth chart at third, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with him soon enough. He's got a slick glove, but he's not a big thumper. But he play, his glove will play over there, and he hits for average and gets on base a lot. so maybe Curtis Meade.
0: I'm thinking uh I know the Diamondbacks value defense. I know the Dimex value defense. So they're not, they're going to they try and get a third baseman. They certainly want someone who isn't a butcher with the glove.
1: Right. Which is where Meade would come in. I mean, he can play it. he can he can pick it over there. I do think if they make a trade out of anybody even in their top 15 the second that they trade one pitcher regardless of what pitcher it is all the other pitchers basically come off the market though i don't think that they yeah. they would risk trading away two of the promising developing arms they might trade one but i don't think they would go with a second
0: Because yeah, if we assume the Dynamax are gonna make a move with the uh, the starting rotation, then that you got you're gonna have Gallon as your as your number one, your number two is Merrill Kelly. your number three is your free agent pickup, and then Fouts your four. Ideally they're free agent pickup's Ideally, better than Fox.
1: I'm not I'm not certain that they're gonna have the financial muscle to get a real number three. And Fot might wind up being the number three, and we might be p- buying a number I four. Mean, are, I mean
0: he's already Fouts <laughs> already kind of a number three now.
1: Right, and as much as I'd like to see them go out and get a, a great signing, there just aren't that many there to be had unless you're breaking the bank for Snell or Montgomery or something I like
0: feel that. like Snell's a buyer beware.
1: He always has been, but... Uh,
0: it, Snell makes sense if you're... I think San Francisco is a dark horse place for Snell. Like I said, you pit, any team that's pitching basically on the ocean. Would be where he should go.
1: <laughs> Blake Snell, he is the prototype for the whole new way of I'm gonna get you 15, 18 ounce and that's it.
0: Well, Although the end that at the end of the season he was getting a lot more than 18 ounce on the regular.
1: Well yeah but they didn't have a whole lot of choice at that point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, somebody's going to pay Snell twenty five yeah. million a year, and they're going to regret it. Is my point.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see them in on some of the Japanese talents coming over, but again, I don't know that they're going to have that kind of financial wiggle
0: Not necessarily Yamamoto, but what about Imanaga and uh There's another one, Alvarez. Imanaga's I think
1: one I wouldn't mind seeing them go after hard
0: yeah, because. Teams are going to be locked in on yum mode. Maybe you sneak. Maybe you sneak that signing out while everyone else is well, under everyone else's noses.
1: It'd be nice to see. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to what kind of payroll does Ken Kendrick give the team now that they made the World Series and were competitive in it. I mean, take away one bad pitch in Game One and
0: they win five they leave, four. They, they win five Texas three.
1: Up, they leave Texas up two nothing in the series instead of. Season
0: and one bad pitch in Game Three, it's a one nothing <laughs> game, and you can come back from that,
1: right? So they were competitive in the World Series. It wasn't like they got there and then just got summarily bounced. I mean, but the only,
0: you, the only game that where you could say they got waxed was Game Four.
1: Yeah, that one was just bad. I mean, the la- the final score said it was a lot closer than it really was. Uh, <laughs> But if Kendrick still keeps them to, down to that 120 to 125 as the total payroll outlay, that's only going to leave them with about 15 million or so to spend. And that's not landing you any of the meaningful pitching.
0: Yeah, I think Jack has them at a hundred uh estimates at a hundred million right now, plus uh with arbitration estimates, guarantee contracts. So yeah, you got about 15 to 20.
1: Right. So yeah, have- I mean you got just over 30 billion going to Walker, Gown, and Seawald. So but, and that that's a fair split, but I mean that's a quarter of your payroll right there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so maybe best case scenario they can get up to one hundred thirty mil, one hundred thirty million. Then you have a little bit more wiggle room. If, you can make a bit. Can you can make a mid tier free one, agent signing.
1: If they can play in the one hundred thirty to one hundred thirty five range, then they can sign an actual impact talent. Maybe not. You know, the biggest talent. Obviously, they aren't signing Otani or whatever. They aren't signing. No, the I was guy. gonna say.
0: The timing's just wrong to sign Otani anyway, even if you could afford to.
1: But the reality is is that there are some impact talents to be had for their payroll range if they're playing 130 to 135. If they're playing in that 120, 125 range and they've only got 15 to 20 million to work with, that's going to make it a lot tighter. (laughs)
0: You know, depend on what, what impact the t- their next TV deal is going to make, too. they got to figure out what the deal with that is. Right. Could be losing up to... And then how much does the postseason revenue offset that? Because obviously they got gate receipts for the first four games of the World Series, because that's just how it is.
1: Right. And this time around they can be more selective about who they throw in the bullpen instead of picking up whatever is left over. And even if they only have 15 million to spend, there will be some arms there to be had.
0: Yeah. Uh, let say 15 million. You could take uh... I know I wish they picked up Matt Strom last year.
1: <laughs> uh Because maybe they would have know, won. They've got, Ryan Thompson under control, still along with Ginkle and Seawald. Granted, it yeah, Seewald's Ginkle, Thompson, here.
0: and Mantiply just hit their first arbitration year. It Hector Naris just declined his player option with Houston. Although, he, given his age, you don't know how much more is left in that tank.
1: Yeah, I if we were, if we were looking for one more, rely just one last reliable arm being the difference. I would take a one to two year flyer on him. But otherwise, I, if he declined his option, he's looking to get paid. <laughs> and probably get paid enough that he would be the only major signing. And Dynbucks have too many needs.
0: I would say Naris uh, is looking for more than $8 million.
1: Right. And the only relievers that i'm paying eight million dollars for the only dedicated relievers i'm paying eight million dollars for not coming out of japan are jordan hicks and uh ronaldo lopez everybody i don't even
0: think i don't even think hicks is going to come to arizona it's like i'm pretty sure he wants to go to a place where he can close
1: yeah and well honestly if he came to arizona he could probably compete for the closer spot. I mean, the job is Seawalds for now. But if Hicks is throwing lights out, this team doesn't have any real loyalty to. Hey, Seawald has to be the closer.
0: I mean, they basically got what they needed out of Seawald this year. Exactly solidified the bullpen. They made it. it was a big reason why they got to the World Series. It's so, kind of the thing you have to remember. It's like they don't get to the World Series without him, even if he sucked in the World Series.
1: Oh, absolutely. He was huge towards, you know, helping them make the final push, such as it was. <laughs> I guess it was less of a push and more of a huge in keeping them from falling apart until they fell out of the playoffs. So Yeah, it's like yeah. the
0: switch. It, I guess... uh it was one of those things where I think I remember that his mechanics kind of came came on, un- unraveled a little bit, and they kind of tightened it up at the end of the season, and it showed up in the postseason. Kind of situation. Do you look at the? Uh, obviously, he had a, what was it, a six-week rough stretch when he first got traded to the Diamondbacks, where he was having trouble with the walks.
1: Right. he's, and and he's he put, always that, been a guy that's worked with men on base i mean that's kind of been his mo even after seattle completely broke him down and rebuilt him into one of their high leverage relievers he still was always a guy that worked with guys on base that's just the way he works
0: and there's very few guys that closers that available that can shut down the opposition just by simply standing on the mound
1: Right, and those aren't going to become available anytime soon. <laughs> and when they do, they cost a mint. It's like I told back Jack back
0: yesterday. To. See what was probably the best closure they could afford to trade for.
1: And It's not like he came cheap.
0: Who knows what Bednar would have cost. And the question is the opportunity cost if you trade for Bednar might have been worse than what they ultimately end up doing.
1: I'm not sure that Bednar would have been any, overall, been any better. There there are enough games in there where the Diamondbacks lost them on their own or won them on their own without Seawall being involved that I'm not sure that Bednar changes the dynamic a whole lot.
0: Maybe if Bednar doesn't
1: give up that home run in game one, maybe he does. I mean.
0: But if you trade for Bedner, you don't get that game-tying homer in Game 4 of the NLCS from Thomas.
1: True. But let's face it, Corey Seager was just locked in. So maybe he still hits it in Game 1 regardless of the pitch.
0: <laughs> I mean, Corey Seager basically was unstoppable from beginning to end the season. Mm-hmm. If he, had, if he played a whole full 162-game season, I think he might have had a legitimate shot to win the MVP
1: or at least the certainly still
0: some first place votes
1: with the way he was playing when he was playing good defense too. So it's not like he's I mean, eventually he's going to wind up moving off of short. His size is going to dictate it at some point, but he still has the athleticism to keep playing there. So,
0: yeah, so here's one of those he guys. He doesn't he flashy, enough. but he isn't flashy. But when you look up, he's, Who made the most, who made the biggest play of the game? Him. Yeah. Defensively, him.
1: And thankfully, he's in Texas and not still in Los Angeles. So, (laughs) because he's not done.
0: Yeah. Sager led the American League in offensive win. uh, Oh, war. If you're curious,
1: not a surprise.
0: Yeah, I I would say offensively it was his best full season. Well, it was his best full season by a long shot.
1: Yeah, it wasn't even that full. (laughs)
0: Hmm. 119 games. And he put up uh, seven more in 119 games. Anyway, I think... Anything you want to say while we wrap up here?
1: I think that pretty much does. I mean, we covered who our top 10 is. We covered who, who's moving up and who's moving down and why. So I think we're good.
0: Yeah. we could probably, and there's plenty of time this off to talk about we'll probably further break down the list and get the rule five draft coming in and then trades, big trades are coming. I'm pretty sure at least a third, uh, let's say 10% of wherever our top 30 list is going to be much different in two months.
1: Oh yes. I'm probably going to do a pair of lists uh, on actual top 30, but then I'm going to do a, a list beside it of what it's going to look like after just two months into the season because of promotions and so forth. <laughs> because clearly Lawler's not going to stay on the list. Saccone and Jarvis are coming off the list soon. Uh, We'll say about Walston. I honestly would not be surprised if he gets traded.
0: Yeah, I say going to say there's a lot of moving parts, and I think this could very well look very much different a year from now.
1: Oh, a year you're talking now, about I it to look a lot different. <laughs> All
0: right. Thanks, everyone, for watching.
1: Thank you.